Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you feel like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico, but it's more than a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Let the Boricua spirit welcome you with a warm embrace to start each day and remind you why you travel in the first place. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. With nearly 300 beaches and 300 miles of coastline, there's always new places to explore. The island's diverse geography offers everything from secluded coves with white sand and crystalline water to stunning black sand beaches. There are spots that are perfect for water sports. You can surf, snorkel, paddleboard, or go diving. To travel to Puerto Rico, there is no passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hell, I suck at dating. With Dean Ungler and Jared Haven, an iHeartRadio podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a new week of Help, I Suck at Dating. I'm currently lounged on a couch at Kalen's apartment. Probably going to fall asleep halfway through the episode because it's so comfortable. Jared and I were just talking about how it's the most comfortable couch on the face of the earth. Well, I'm pretty sure Tanner and Jade have that same couch, and it is fantastic. I'm currently in my mother-in-law's bedroom, so things are going pretty well for me. Why did you move out of the office today? Uh, Because the mic was set up here. It's it's pretty... This is This is the... This and the office are the best Wi-Fi spots. And I think Ashley just likes recording her podcast in here, and I wasn't going to move the equipment, so here I am. It's not that uncomfortable. It's a spacious room. This is the room that you and Ashley sleep in? No, no. This is my mother-in-law's room. She sleeps here. With oh, alone. Because my father-in-law's quarantined still in the basement because he works at the hospital. Uh, you, don't find it, you don't find it awkward at all to be in your mother-in-law's bedroom? I did at first, but now being quarantined to the house for over two months, I don't feel all that uncomfortable. It's fine. Do you feel more or less comfortable that the bed is not made right now? I think I'm pretty indifferent about it. (laughs) I don't know if I feel any worse or better. There's something about an unmade bed when you walk into the room that you're like, someone slept right there. And then when the bed is made, you're like, okay, like this is a new, it's it's a fresh new palette, a new canvas. Just feels a little less invasive i think if you walk into a room that's got a made bed you know yeah that's that's my that's one man's opinion interesting i don't know i don't think i've really put too much thought into it but you said you were pretty tired uh, but you're also tired today because you posted on your instagram that you woke up at 4 30 in the morning to go golfing yeah i teed off at 5 46 a.m today for earliest seat time i've ever had why like why not schedule a tea time for 11 15 in the morning 
I don't know. One of my buddies who I've been playing golf with lately said, hey, this is the only tea time they have available. Do you want to do it? And I was like, well, I mean, I got nothing else to do. So sure. Golf is like the first uh, sport I can partake in with my leg. So it's like I want to kind of be doing it often. And I mean, I figured I could just get around and before I could came home and podcasted with you guys. So it's actually kind of nice. I mean, we were the first team out or first group out. So we didn't have to wait for anyone. We finished around in under three hours. You know, I think I might start teeing off 546 more often. So you're saying it was worth it. It was worth being the first people to tee off. It was worth waking up at 430 in the morning. I will say when my alarm went off at 430 in the morning, I was like, there's no way I'm going to get out of bed and go golfing. Yes, and then right. I like, I snoozed it. Or I, I thought that I had snoozed my alarm, but in reality, I turned it off. And so I rolled over at like 4.48 and I was like, wait, it's been so long since my alarm went off. I'm probably going to miss the tea time now. I realized that it's still at time. So I woke up. <laughs> you were probably just delusional because it's 4.30 in the morning. You're hallucinating. Uh, gosh, it was worse. Yesterday when I got home uh, from running in some errands, I ordered a, a full Domino's pizza with pepperoni, sausage, and extra jalapenos. And I just smothered the whole thing in ranch. Uh, and I ate the whole thing in one sitting. Literally in 20 minutes, I ate this entire pizza that was just covered in all these things. And so my uh, my stomach hasn't been feeling well. Oh, can't and imagine why. So, so I woke up at like 1 a.m., spent a good 30 minutes in the bathroom. I, like, I wanted to make sure I had enough time this morning to probably hit the bathroom again before I left. So it's been, you know, it's been an eventful 24 hours for me. How has Caitlin felt about the past 24 hours? Did you wake her up this morning? Uh, she was awake. Yeah, I think I accidentally nudged her when I woke up. Dude, if it's I just... woke up at 4.30 in the morning to go golfing and woke up Ashley, she'd stab me in my sleep. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure she wasn't pleased. She's just, you know. How was I it going she... golfing? Did you feel uncomfortable at all? Uh, like, Because now uh... things are starting to open up a little bit. Yeah, so the way that the golf courses are set up, at least the ones that I've been to, it's all, you're in your own cart, you wear a mask the whole time, you don't touch the flag stick, you know, you the ball doesn't go all the way in, so you're not, it's still pretty contactless in terms of being around people, which is like, you know, it's not any, it's probably slightly less safe, obviously, than like staying at home because you're not seeing anyone when you're at home, but it's still, it's one of the safer activities, I, in my opinion, that you could be doing. I have, I don't really feel weird doing it, but I could see the argument being made against it but i mean that's just what seems to be happening things are slowly opening up you know golf i've been golfing for two weeks now it seems like uh there was just a nascar race this past weekend there was like golf a, yes golf uh, was a couple days ago tom brady practiced with a few members of his tampa bay buccaneers today which was a huge step because florida is starting to reopen and even like i heard yesterday new york california they're saying that starting in june they're going to allow sports teams to play in stadiums empty stadiums but that's obviously a huge step dude i just need to step my toe back into society that's what's killing me right now because like the past two and a half months i've just had this mindset of stay home don't don't be near anybody because they all have coronavirus and i really need to get myself out of this mindset like yesterday ashley and i went to go get a mcflurry because you know you gotta have you gotta win some battles during covid19 and I like, honestly, in my head, I was like, okay, this is a good thing. Cause I'm going to go, I'm going to wear a mask. They'll be wearing a mask. Ooh, I hit my mic. Uh, like go through the drive-thru, don't have a panic attack. And yet still, like when the guy was handing it to me, it was like this moment of like, okay, you're just going to grab it. You're going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to work out. So like, I need to start doing more steps like that, which sucks. What flavor did you get? Uh, M&M, duh. Oh, dude, don't tell me you're an Oreo guy. Sorry, what flavor of McFlurry do you like to get? I've never had one. 
You've never had a McFlurry? Are you American? No. I guess not. You got that's like a you know McDonald's. Got to get. A I was McFlurry. actually going to ask you like, what really is a McFlurry? Is it just like a milkshake? You've never a heart had attack a McFlurry? In a cup. No. Yeah, it's probably three thousand calories in a tiny cup, but it's the most delicious thing ever. You've never had a McFlurry? <laughs> it's vanilla ice cream, and then it's pretty much vanilla ice cream. And you can get either M and M's in it, or you can get Oreos in it if you're weird. M and M's is the way to go. It's not just vanilla ice cream. There's some sort of special secret sauce that mcdonald's does to it it's mcdonald's so that it's like (laughs) vanilla ice cream on steroids you know yeah exactly i think ice cream is the worst dessert you can ever partake in what's your terms of flavor or what just health wise no it's just like ice cream melts so you really only have like two minutes to enjoy that dessert so you're inhaling it so you don't really get to enjoy it and then by the time you finish it you're like i still need more so then you eat like a whole carton and then you never feel good about yourself because you ate it in like five minutes because it was melting all over you and then it was getting messy. And then you like, if you're in your car, then you like leave your thing in the car and then it's just like a puddle of milk. It's just like grab a cookie and be happy with your life. Who leaves their ice cream in a car first and foremost? Yeah. What the hell are you doing with your life, Tori? I don't know. I love I'm ice a big cream. ice cream. I'm with you, Dean. I'm a big ice cream guy. Dean, are you more of an Oreo or, or M&M McFlurry guy? I'm an Oreo McFlurry guy like every sane American. Why? Why do you choose Oreo over M&M's? Because Oreos just in general are of a much better flavor than M&M's. I also don't like how the M&M's, like they lose their color when they sit in the ice cream for too long. You you bite into them. Sometimes they get a little, little too hard. And then they also are like dry on the inside. It just doesn't, it's just not a good experience. All right. Well, we agree to disagree. Anyway, should we get into like, oh, I don't know, dating topics or what our podcast Do we have any dating topics we want to talk about today? We have a couple things. Well, Tori has one that she really wants to talk about. Well, I always send a rundown the night before and then I read the rundown. Oh, did you? Because you would know it's a yes. I was leading Jared into answering the question for the listeners out there that haven't read the rundown. Obviously, I've read the rundown. We're going to talk about uh kate and mary kate olson and her husband who are getting a divorce and she's got an ironclad prenuptial agreement with him and would you ever ask someone to sign a prenuptial agreement jared did you ask ashley to sign a prenuptial agreement all right let's don't ever ask if i didn't read the rundown or not tori okay <laughs> i think he okay. just read it for the first time let's be honest <laughs> well he read the headline so it's not totally dean's a headline Great. reader he, he's yeah. that guy who like reads a headline on twitter and then regurgitates that like being like oh you know what else and then he says the headline without the clickbait where you're like is that true no i did see the headline mary kate olson has an ironclad prenup and i was like uh i think reading that headline is enough for me to not have to read <laughs> that article yeah so i'll give the rundown and then you guys can go off into the questions about this but mary kate olson and her husband pierre olive Olivier, I don't know if that's how you say it, Sarkozy are splitting up. And apparently Mary Kate's prenup is ironclad. And basically he like kicked her out of apartment and all this stuff. But Ashley Olsen has an estimate net worth of 500 million between them. So she's like, obviously, yes, I have a prenup. Um, And I would just like to know. So let's start from the beginning. Ashley Olsen. Oh, gosh. Mary Kate Olsen and her ex have a 17 year age gap. So he's 50 years old and then that makes her what? 30 Yeah, 30. Yeah, 33. Um have you or would you ever date older? Yes. 
I think it'd be challenging to date someone 17 years older, but I mean, I have dated older, yeah. Well, Dean, you're 28, right? 29. 29. God, you're old. If you're old, I'm ancient. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Really dating myself on that one. So so right now, uh, if you were single and you weren't with Kaylin, if you were to date someone 17 years older than you, you'd be dating someone who's 46. 46. Do you think you could do that? Oh man, dude! I don't know. Actually, that's a tough one. My brother used to date a woman who was probably twenty plus years older than him, and they had a great relationship. I think it all depends on what your goals are, like yeah. kids, family planning, because that really comes into factor when you when you think about age. But I could definitely, I I I could definitely date someone older. When I was in my er, like early to mid twenties, I found it incredibly sexy someone who's in like their mid to late thirties. You know what's funny about that too is you found that sexy and I bet you when you were dating them, they found you like uh you're like like your spirit creepy. uplifting and, and not creepy but like they're probably like, oh he's young and he's like fun and you know, this this energetic guy. And like they you guys liked each other for the same reasons in a way. You know what I mean? Guys love older girls. I mean why do you like not to go down this path, but like MILFs are a very popular <laughs> Google search for a man in his 20s. Is that true? I guess I haven't Google searched. Oh, MILF please. In a while. You, well, I'm sure you were a fan of MILFs. <laughs> I mean, I'm familiar with the category. <laughs> well, let's put it this way Jennifer Gardner is 48 years old. Dean, could you ever date or marry Jennifer Gardner? Money aside. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's really fair to uh, to characterize celebrities into that because yeah, Jennifer Gardner, like Rachel Ann, Jennifer Aniston. What did I say? Rachel Aniston. <laughs> Jennifer her, Aniston. Na- her name on Friends was Rachel, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, those girls are like forever young in a sense, and they're they're like be- they're going to be beautiful until the day they die when they're ninety. You know what I mean? Just like men, like Brad Pitt, like Tori, you're twenty four. You could date Brad Pitt even though he's like sixty eight. You know what I mean? I couldn't though. Really. So hold on. You're telling me that if Brad Pitt slid into your DMs and said, hey, let's go grab dinner on Friday night, you'd say no. I would go to dinner, but I couldn't marry him. So what if he wanted a second date? And what if he was like, hey, I had a really good time. I could see this going somewhere. I I would date him, but I could not marry him. Like you could easily say you date, you could date somebody older for sure, but I could never marry someone older because- could you imagine like being like, Hey, we're going to go watch the Super Bowl at my friend's house. And then like bringing him, I, he would be so unentertained by our conversation or my life where I was at that point compared to him. If you wanted to bring Brad Pitt to my Super Bowl party, I 100% <laughs> would take that with open arms. Yeah. I'd be fine I guess the, the only reservation with an age gap that large is like, he's going to die and you're going to be 35 and a widow. That'd be kind of a bummer. But with most age gaps, like we see, that like, went Mary dark Kate. fast. <laughs> I'm just trying to think practically here. With Mary Kate, it's like you know she's 17 years younger. Women typically outlive men, so she would be, you know, let's say the guy lives to be 80. That's a good life. She would be 63, and then it's like, what does she want? To, she doesn't want to be single and 63. That's like that's kind of like the worst situation, you know. Do you view it differently if a man dates a younger girl? versus a woman dating a younger guy yeah i think it's viewed differently at least by society if a guy is dating a younger girl 
sometimes i think I that's like, like more ex expected and it depends how young you go but it could be kind of skeevy you know i agree for some reason in my head when a guy older guy dates a younger girl i'm like Ugh. and then yet if an older girl dates a younger guy i'm like good for her yeah exactly <laughs> why is that i wonder i have no idea i think probably because as a guy i just know a guy's mentality and I'm like, ah, you're just going for the young, hot girl. Uh, you're the not naive. looking for the emotional connection. Yeah, where a girl, a woman, an older woman, is like going after someone who's keeping her young. And I'm like, you know what? Good for you, girl. You know, you go. I, I'm probably wrong, but for some reason, that's immediately where my head goes. I mean, no, I agree with you. Whether it's wrong or right, I, I, I'm in the same camp, so hopefully it's right. <laughs> Do you think a guy who dates younger, especially like 10 years or younger, can ever have ever starts out with pure intentions in dating that person? Of course. How long were these two married for? That's Do a good question. Know? Let me look that up. Wasn't it a while? I felt like it was. That's like... true, I guess. And the fact that he was willing to sign a prenup means he probably had pretty good intentions even going into the marriage. Yeah. But I see Tori's point. I see, like, you know, if let's say you're 35 and you meet a girl who's 21, I don't think that you're like, oh, this girl is going to be my wife. I think you're thinking, like, wow, that girl's young and hot. And I haven't Ye seen one of those in a while. You know? Yeah, but what if you're like 48 and she's 31? That's fine, I think. I agree. I, I view that differently. Dating in your twenties is always just like one of those things where it's like, okay, what's gonna happen? Like, it's kind especially of especially in your early twenties, right? It's always just a crapshoot. Like, are people seriously dating? Are you just dating to get on to the next part of your life? But then once you get into your thirties, it's more serious. I don't know. But that's with oh, that's with like I feel like everybody in their early twenties, you know, or early to mid twenties. Whether you're dating someone who's also in their early to mid twenties or you're dating someone older, it's always that question of like, well, how serious can they take it? Uh, and I'm not saying it's wrong or right, because I also think there are people in their early to mid twenties that can settle down early and can be in a relationship. You hear all the time about high school sweethearts, and it's very sweet. But uh, from my own personal opinion, I do think it's probably better to get married later in life and to experience individuality early on. Let me ask you this. I'm 29. Kaylin is 25. Does that make me skeevy? What a creep. Four yeah, years? I, God, you I feel weirdo. like it might be. No, she turns 26. 25? No way. She turns 26 in a month. Okay. I think so. For, for one more month, it's a little skeevy, but. I don't think it's that skeevy. I don't think there's that much of an age difference. Plus, your, your, your personality, dude, you're like 25. I don't know if I should take that as a compliment or not. It's funny. There was this kid when I was Probably getting my insult. When I was getting my skydive license, there was this uh, this kid who was with us, this like YouTube kid, and he was I think 19 at the time. Uh, and after a couple of days of like hanging out and getting our licenses, he goes, "How old are you?" I goes, "I think I was like 27 at the time." And he goes, "Oh, that's so much older than I thought you were. I thought you were going to be like 21." And I go, well, "Why? Because I'm like so mature." And he goes, "No, just because of the way that you act, like you're kind of an idiot." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, sh I get where you're where you're coming from, though, you know." So to jump into the next part of this, so they were married for five years, and prior to getting married, they signed a prenup. What are your thoughts on prenups? I gotta be honest, I don't know exactly what a prenup is, which makes, which answers the question if I've signed a prenup or not. Uh, I'm I'm assuming that that means if we ever get divorced, my stuff is my stuff and your stuff is your stuff. 
So it's a prenuptial agreement. So it's anything you guys uh, figure out with your assets or um, it could even go down to your dog on like who your dog goes to if you ever got a divorce. So everything is just it's an agreement that you make prior to your marriage. And then you make it legal with a lawyer. You guys both sign it. And then that way, if you ever did divorce, you guys kind of disperse it the way you agreed to it in the beginning. Whenever I think of a prenuptial agreement, I just think of that episode of Seinfeld where George is trying to have Susan break up with him. And Jerry was like, you know, what oh, you yeah. do? ask her to sign a prenup and then she'll leave you. And then he asks her and she laughs in his face and she's like, I have way more stuff than you. Yeah, sure. I'll sign yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. I'm totally down for signing a prenup. Why not? Why, I guess why are people against it, you think? Because it sets a bad uh, like sets a bad vibe already in the beginning of the marriage? I think it kind of sets a bad tone. I think the only time, not the, I'm sure there are plenty of times when they get signed or for many different reasons, but I think the main reason is when there's a large discrepancy in the, earner, uh, the earners. So like, let's say the girl makes a lot more than the guy, it seems like in this case, and it's like such a big difference that she's like, I'm just gonna make, I'm gonna protect my assets here by doing this, if anything were to go south. I think what the bad thing about it is, it's like by signing a prenuptial agreement, you're basically admitting to the idea that divorce is a possibility, you know? Yeah, but I feel like, does anybody really think divorce is a, how do I phrase this? Nobody thinks they're getting divorced when they get married, but I, it's, it happens all the time. I do think the idea that things will never change might be a little naive. And so I'm, I'm not against signing a prenup. Right. Well, I think that's like the logical way to look at it, but a lot of people, I mean, you do say till death do us part. So you're kind of going against that by saying in the event that instead of death doing us part, we just want to part on our own terms. I want to make sure that I have my money. I think that's kind of like the underlying issue with it all is like, Hey, I want, I love you and I want to get married to you. But also if it doesn't work out between us, I want to make sure I keep all my money. You know what I mean? I personally wouldn't mind. I, I guess I wouldn't mind signing a prenup. I, uh, it's hard to put myself in that situation, obviously, because I don't even see, uh, you know, I don't necessarily know where my life is going, but I don't see why I would have any issue signing a prenup. Here, here's a question for you. Do you think that the person who wants to sign a prenup should get married in the first place? Because like you said, if you're taking a, if you're willing to take a vow of saying to to death till us part, how do you yeah. say that? I've said it. I don't even remember it. To yeah. death. Till, till death us, do us part. Thank you. Till death do us part. Wow. It's been a little while. Uh, actually, I'm in like seven months. Um, but if somebody's willing to say that and then right around the same time saying, well, in case it doesn't work out, we should sign a prenup. Do you think that person should get married? It's a great point. And I, I think know. that it's it's something even it's something worth talking about. I agree with what you're thinking, where it's like, why are they getting married if they even have an inkling or a possibility that it doesn't work out like they want it to? But I guess then it's like, why do anything? I don't know. I can. No, I guess it can go I agree. Well, let's let's think about it like this for a minute, okay? There's two scenarios that kind of popped up in my head. Obviously, you don't go in expecting to divorce when you sign a prenup, but there is a chance that someone could cheat. Mm. So let's say you're in a marriage and you're so happy and then a guy cheats, decides to leave you and then you're left or, you know, a girl cheats and decides to leave you. I was just about to say. Well, like whoever has, let's say like you're married (sighs) to someone and she cheats on you, but she's like the breadwinner of the house. 
So now you're having to adjust your whole lifestyle because your spouse selfishly decided to leave and now you didn't sign a prenup or anything. So they're like, sorry, I'm actually in love with this younger stallion and leaves and hop ships. So now you're like, okay, well, I have two kids beneath me that now I have to provide for. And yeah, there's child support. But what would you do in that scenario? You know, that that kind of can happen. Uh, I don't know what I would do in that scenario. I guess when you were saying that, my mind started drifting off and thinking about what would happen if you made, if you were the person that was being supported in the marriage, the other person cheated, the bread earner, quote unquote, cheated, and then you wanted to get a divorce, but you had a prenup sign. So by divorcing that person, then you're basically just making yourself broke again. Then what do you do? That's like, uh, I don't know, every situation you'd be into. Marriage is just stupid. No one should ever get married. Jared and Ashley aside, they're going to be the last marriage of all time because Bro, people just don't you wear stop a ring? getting married altogether. Uh, I don't know. I sometimes do. Yeah. So you're sometimes married. <laughs> uh, I'm just I, kidding. I don't know. No, I agree. Like, Listen, at the end of the day, how I honestly feel about it is I think that it's okay to sign a prenup. I think it's okay to possibly be aware that things might change down the road that you guys might get divorced as horrible as it is to even think about early in the stages of marriage. You know, I'm always the type of person that says, just, you know, prepare for the worst. That's it. Like, hopefully it never comes to that. But if it ever does, like Tori said, God forbid something awful happened within your relationship, uh, at least you're somewhat prepared for it. So that's my advice. I know we're wrapping it, but I would love to know, Jared, why you did not sign a prenup or did you and Ashley ever have a conversation about it? Uh, we, we, I remember we were talking about it jokingly at one point, but I don't think we ever seriously, um, talked about it, which we probably should because once we started, uh, even once we really started dating, once we got engaged, we started kind of, uh, combining our money, um, and uh, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I know a lot of couples who uh, are married couples who still have separate bank accounts. Um, but we just decided to kind of like lump sump our money and then move forward together. So I guess in that aspect, we probably should sign a prenup. I'm pretty sure, though, if I asked Ashley to sign a prenup, <laughs> I don't know how she'd react. If I seriously asked her, you know what we should do? Maybe I should secretly record her while I ask the question and I'm 100% serious about it and see what her true reaction would be and then she'll we'll post, it. It to, post it to help by psychic dating instagram it's gonna be the exact same costanza moment she makes more money than you she does so she'd probably laugh in my face <laughs> yeah give me the papers i'll sign them yeah exactly my company's name is actually mr ashley i incorporated so that just tells you my life caitlin makes more money than me too so it'd be the exact same situation that's awesome wait so let me ask you just just a question that's kind of uh, tangential so you don't have your own bank account anymore? You guys just every money, every dollar you make gets put into a, a, a collective pool? Let me, sorry. We do have separate bank accounts, but we have uh, like, she knows what's in mine and I know what's uh. in hers. So technically we don't have a joint bank account. We're not that advanced. I don't think you and Kaylin do, right? You guys have just joint uh, phone bills, phone plans? No, we have a joint bank account. Yeah. Really? Yeah, oh, you joint. told me this before. Yes, because then you guys put in money for like future vacations and travels and stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, like for instance, Kaylin and I will do like an ad for like dog food or something like that. What we agreed on was all of that money goes into the joint bank account. And like, so Pappy got his teeth removed a couple of weeks ago. That surgery was like two thousand dollars, 
neither of us really paid for that. We just used the money that we made for his, you know, branded post on Instagram for that teeth removal surgery. How is Pappy doing after the teeth removal? Oh my God, he's a puppy again, dude. He's regained Aww. so much spunk. All this quirkiness is back. He's just running around. He's the happiest little dude ever. It's the best. And his tongue, his tongue uh, limps out of his mouth sometimes too. And he's like laying down. It's the funniest thing in the world. Oh, could you imagine that you guys almost didn't keep that dog? Yeah. I, I mean, I could, I, I, Kalen couldn't imagine it. Kalen's so attached to that dog. And I mean, rightfully so he's the cutest dog I've ever seen in my life, but uh, they definitely have a, a bit more special of a bond than him and I do. Oh, I'm just like, I'm just like, he's like, I'm just like, that's a cute little dog. And he's like, Hey, that's like a fun, uh, hairy dude to like pet me every once in a while. But in reality, they're like the, you know, the mom and son. Yeah. He's a mama's boy. He's a mama's boy for sure. That's adorable. How are the dogs over there doing? I relate. They're doing fine. They're doing great. Lois is going to be depressed when we get out of here. She's got a huge backyard here. She's got a friend in Ethel. She's loving life. She goes on walks multiple times a day. I mean, we take her on walks, but the backyard is all the difference in the world. She gets to run around. She has another dog. There's everybody's home constantly. There's always somebody home. So when she, when we go back to the apartment and we have to leave her alone, she's going to freak. And it's quite sad. I feel bad for her. Um, but we do have to take a little break. Uh, we do have some very special guests coming up. So Dean and I are going to play a little game of uh, Seven Minutes in Heaven. No, we're not going to be in the closet together, even though that could be fun too. Um, but uh, where we're going to be able to talk about things that we want to talk about for seven minutes. And I have uh, a guest coming on the podcast. I don't know what Tori and Dean are doing something back and forth. Well, I'm trying to be professional here. Trying to be a pro. Mm, mm, Jared, you're so good. Mm, mm. These seven minutes are so heavenly. Mm, mm. Dean, I got to be honest. If I was in a closet with you, I'd probably only last about two and a half. Um. <laughs> Whoa, wow. <laughs> Come on. Hey, there he is. There he is. Uh, but we have a special guest coming up. He is one of my, probably my favorite author of all time, Ben Mesrick. He's the author of Bitcoin Billionaires, The Accidental Billionaires, which was the book that Aaron Sorkin adapted his screenplay uh, for the social network off of. He also wrote Bringing Down the House, which was made into the movie 21, uh, which was obviously a huge success. Uh, ben Mesrick's coming on the podcast. I'm super, super excited to talk to him, ask him many questions. He has a new uh, novella serialized story on the Boston Globe called The Mechanic that is out right now that you guys can all read. But he's going to be coming up shortly after the break. Dean, what are you going to be talking about for your seven minutes in heaven? I don't freaking know, Jared. But I'll tell you what, you don't want to miss it. So stick around after this break and we'll dive right into our 14 minutes in heaven. At Walmart, there's a whole collection of black-led products that fit into your daily routine. We encourage you to show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. There is power in every purchase. Every time we purchase from a black-led brand, we make room for another black-led brand. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. Some amazing black-owned businesses that are available at Walmart include The Lip Bar, Zach and Zoe Honey, Partake Cookies, the list goes on and on. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black owned products you can add to your daily routine. True love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another and every time after that. It's taking long walks together in the summer, gazing longingly into each other's eyes, 
and, well, watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. The Pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. Ashley adopted Lois, and I didn't know until I actually picked her up and saw her with my own eyes that we were taking this dog home. But I took one look at Lois, and my life has never been the same, and I love her so much, and I'm very grateful for that moment that Ashley decided to adopt Lois. So it really was love at first sight for me. Adopting a dog can lead to a lifetime of meaningful connections. A pedigree loyalty survey revealed that 95% of dog owners say that the bond they have with their dogs is closer than expected. And another pedigree loyalty survey revealed 90% of first-time dog owners report that having a dog improved at least one relationship in their lives. We have adopted two dogs. First was Pappy and the second was Alistair. And I got to tell you, I didn't know I could love such a little creature so much with Pappy. He just stole our hearts right away. He was so attached to us. And even with Alistair, we got him and we fostered at first and then decided to adopt not long after that. Just and a few days after. They bring so much light into our lives. After we lost Pappy, I was, Kaylin and I agreed to maybe take a couple months off from having a dog in our lives. And not even a week later, we we couldn't stand it anymore. There's just so much light that coming home to a dog brings into our lives. And and whenever we're on a trip, all we can ever think about is coming back home and seeing Alistair. So I I love adoption. I think adopting dogs is the way to go. They are so grateful for it. They definitely love you harder because they know what you took them from and and the great life that you're giving them. Real love can exist between pet and pet parent. Pedigree is committed to helping more dogs find loving homes, and we can attest that love at first sight is closer than you think. It's available at your local dog shelter. Find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive June 7th to 9th, and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Visit pedigree.com adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. All right, we are back with more help. I suck at dating. And just before we went to break, Jared had mentioned that this week we're trying something new. We are both going to partake in our seven minutes in heaven and what that means, because it's a weird idea, I think that Tori, Tori, you thought of this idea, right? Oh, I wish. It was Amy Sugarman. It was Amy Sugarman. You're right. Shout, Shout out, out to, to Amy. Amy. We love her. She's fantastic and talented and is very gifted in the things that she does. So And employs us, so we're very grateful. Yes, thank you for the paychecks. <laughs> um, so what the idea is behind this, essentially we're going to talk about something we're interested in for seven minutes and the essence of the seven minutes in heaven is these are things that we like and so we're going to enjoy talking about them for seven minutes the challenging thing from my perspective is uh i don't i like a lot of things i don't love a lot of things i don't have very many passions i've got a lot of interests and so it's like when i, I talked about this in our group chat it's it's when you're in high school or college and the teacher says i want you to write a 10-page essay 
and they don't give you something to write about and then you're racking your brain and trying to figure out what you're supposed to write about and you just can't figure that part out and so i've been racking my brain nonstop since we decided we were going to do the seven minutes in heaven bit which i think partly is jared's fault because he has this great guest who's going to be coming up in a little bit and jared and we found a way to work that into this podcast and then that put the pressure on me to then think of something to talk about for seven minutes and by the way i started the timer at the top of this whole monologue and we're already a minute and a half in so no, i only no, got five no, and a half no, minutes no. to go i was just yeah. gonna step in and i was gonna say all right ready i'm about to set my seven minute timer no, no, the timer's been going see dean you're the opposite of me where i don't have that i mean i have interests but i don't have that many but the things that i am interested in i'm very passionate about so i could speak a lot as you guys have known from my rob thomas tom Brady yes days. you you are interested in less things but you put more into those fewer things that you're interested in I'm a simple mind, really. And that's I'm a simple and that's dude great. with a simple I, mind who needs simple I think, things. I think the thing that I wanted to talk about during the seven minutes, and by the way, we only have just under five minutes left, <laughs> is... You still uh, have six minutes. Thank you very much. For a long time, I, especially coming after the show, coming, <clears throat> coming off of the show the first time, and really realizing that my life was going to change pretty greatly, uh, and I, it, in essence, kind of hit like a lottery ticket, right? I thought about how I was going to take a year off of work and I was going to pursue the thing that I found over that year as my passion and my purpose. And a year came and a year went and I wasn't any closer to having that passion or purpose understood. And I was always you know, anxious and stressed out about the idea that I wasn't sure what I was doing and I was kind of aimlessly moving through this thing that we call life in a, in a, a directionless state and I wasn't going anywhere. And while I still am that person and I still am doing that thing, uh, what I've came to realize is that there are a lot of people that are like that and that I think that we should start as a society kind of preaching that that is an okay thing for us to be doing and that uh, sometimes it takes lack of direction and lack of uh not like lack of passions but sometimes you learn a lot about yourself in those moments where you don't necessarily know what you're doing so for me for instance like i said you know i used to be a recruiter i with a great company here in los angeles but once i realized i guess i didn't have to do that quote unquote for the paycheck uh i stopped doing that because it wasn't my passion and so then i started doing other things but for a while i was just doing stupid things like partying with my friends on the weekends and uh, I don't know, going on golfing trips with my friends while I still do enjoy golf. I don't think that was ever, it's never, it's like kind of like a means to an end. Like golf, I'm not going to be on the tour. I'm not going to be a tour player at any point in my life. So I wasn't necessarily like pursuing my purpose in life in that sense. So what I started doing was just doing the things that I always thought of about myself. So I started rock climbing more, which is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm passionate about rock climbing, but it's something I really enjoy. I like to do a few big trips a year. Uh, I started obviously skydiving, got my license with that. And that's something that I've wanted to do ever since I was a kid, but I'm not passionate about it, even though I do thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, I started photography a lot more, which, you know, I really enjoy that, but I wouldn't say I'm passionate about it either. I started traveling a lot more while I'm, I guess that's probably my passion is travel. But even like in this, in amidst this whole coronavirus shutdown, as much as I miss travel and I yearn to be traveling, I'm like perfectly okay just like sitting on the couch all day. So do I consider travel a passion? I don't know. 
maybe I'm being too harsh on myself. But my point is, I want to, I guess, normalize the idea that just because you're not like fulfilling your life's purpose in this moment, doesn't mean that you won't eventually find it. Like I'm 29 years old and I have every ounce of possibility at my fingertips, but I still haven't found out exactly what I need to be doing or should be doing and what I'm working towards. You know, and like, while that's terrifying because I feel like I might be wasting my time and my breath, it's still kind of nice knowing that I'm not in it alone and there are millions and millions and millions of other people out there as well. So that's kind of like my long-winded way of saying just because you don't know what you're doing or where you're going or what you're working for or towards. It doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. It just means that that's going to come later in life, in my opinion. And so now, as I'm five minutes and 50 seconds into my seven minutes in heaven, but let's be honest, before I get to the seven minute mark, no one lasts seven minutes. Seven minutes in heaven, in reality, is more like two minutes in heaven, especially for high schoolers. So I just wanted to make that clear. I, I wouldn't last 15 <laughs> seconds. Get me? Uh, and so that's my long spiel of I don't have these things that I'm super passionate about. While I have my interests and my hobbies and, of course, my, like, relationship and all these things, I don't have, like, this one. I don't have my Rob Thomas. I don't have my Tom Brady. Uh, I don't have those things where I would, like, you know, eat, sleep, breathe, bleed, and die for. Because I just think that that's kind of my personality is I – I just don't care deeply about a lot of things. Die for you Brady. would, and that's fantastic. And I'm envious. I'm envious that you care so. I, I take a bullet. For I'm Tom envious Brady. that you care so much about things like that because I sometimes struggle to. And I think that sometimes it's actually kind of a, a bad thing for me to just be like so nonchalant and blase about almost everything in my life. I would say like 99.9, if not 100% of the things in my life, I kind of just don't really care about, which. It's not really the best way to be moving through life. So I'm envious of your ability to um, focus on those passions and interests so greatly. But I also want... We well, shouldn't be so hard on yourself. But I guess my... I, I certainly don't think you should... should my, purpose, yeah. my purpose of this whole thing, as I've said earlier in it as well, is to tell the people out there that might be listening to this that if they are on a kind of more on my side of things rather than yours, that it's an okay thing to be doing because it's not your responsibility to have it figured out by any set of time. It's just, you know, keep focusing on the things that you're interested in. And maybe one day you'll develop a passion for it, which I'm hoping for myself. I, I and I want to ask you a question about that. And also I don't want you to think or anybody to think just because I'm, I have passions about things that I have things figured out. Cause I have zero figured out my friend, uh, as Ashley will attest to. But my question for you is, and this is something that I kind of believe in. Do you think life is more about, uh, this grand overall scheme of finding your purpose, or do you think it's just kind of a series of moments that you collect and adds up to become? I a mean, life? I purpose. I, I I personally think that's a collection of moments, and the randomness of us even being here is enough of a reason for us to be content with our existence itself. But I do, I, I do agree. think that there is a lot of pressure put on ourselves that we put on ourselves, <laughs> and that others put on ourselves. You know, like it's got to be hard for. Uh, like a business major or a communications major to go to school, graduate, and then see their friends who are like nursing majors or doctors or lawyers or scientists to like have this uh, unflinching passion for the thing that they chose to focus on when they were 18. Uh, because these like broad degrees like business and communications, while they're fantastic and they take a lot of work, they don't necessarily breed the uh, same, I guess, work ethic or like interest in like things like sciences and mathematics and like, like those types of things you know what i mean so it's like 
while comparing comparisons oh. are always a bad thing, it's just difficult to be like uh, super okay with not necessarily knowing exactly what you're doing, you know? But I, and I completely agree with you, but I would also say that those people that make it look like they had everything figured out and went to school for something they've always wanted to do and, you know, worked very hard and now they're there. I firmly believe that at some point or probably still do, they've had doubts about what they've been working hard towards. Is it worth it? Is this something I want to do? I'm more passionate about that. I should have done this. Everybody has mm -hmm. doubts, you know, everybody second guesses themselves. And so if you're second guessing yourself or you're unsure where you're headed or what you've been doing, you're not alone yeah. and that's okay. And I completely agree with what you're yeah. saying. Dean. Thanks man. I appreciate that. So I hope you guys enjoyed my seven minutes in heaven. <laughs> I loved it. At Walmart, there's a whole collection of black-led products that fit into your daily routine. We encourage you to show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. There is power in every purchase. Every time we purchase from a black-led brand, we make room for another black-led brand. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. Some amazing black-owned businesses that are available at Walmart include The Lip Bar, Zach and Zoe Honey, Partake Cookies. The list goes on and on. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black owned products you can add to your daily routine. True love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another and every time after that. It's taking long walks together in the summer, gazing longingly into each other's eyes and, well, watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. The pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. Ashley adopted Lois and I didn't know until I actually picked her up and saw her with my own eyes that we were taking this dog home. But I took one look at Lois and my life has never been the same and I love her so much and I'm very grateful for that moment that Ashley decided to adopt Lois. So it really was love at first sight for me. Adopting a dog can lead to a lifetime of meaningful connections. A pedigree loyalty survey revealed that 95% of dog owners say that the bond they have with their dogs is closer than expected. And another pedigree loyalty survey revealed 90% of first-time dog owners report that having a dog improved at least one relationship in their lives. We have adopted two dogs. First was Pappy and the second was Alistair. And I got to tell you, I didn't know I could love such a little creature so much. With Pappy, he just stole our hearts right away. He was so attached to us. And even with Alistair, we got him and we fostered at first and then decided to adopt not long after that. Just and a few days after. They bring so much light into our lives. After we lost Pappy, I was, Kaylin and I agreed to maybe take a couple months off from having a dog in our lives. And not even a week later, we, we couldn't stand it anymore. There's just so much light that coming home to a dog brings into our lives. And, and whenever we're on a trip, all we can ever think about is coming back home and seeing Alistair. So... I, I love adoption. I think adopting dogs is the way to go. They are so grateful for it. They definitely love you harder because they know what you took them from and, and the great life that you're giving them. Real love can exist between pet and pet parent. Pedigree is committed to helping more dogs find loving homes, and we can attest that love at first sight is closer than you think. It's available at your local dog shelter. Find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive, June 7th to 9th. And the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions.
This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. All right, welcome back to Help I Suck at Dating. We have a very special guest who's on the line right now. He's one of my favorite authors of all time. He's the author of Bringing Down the House, the inside story of the six MIT students who took down Vegas for millions, which was, of course, turned into the hit movie 21. He was also the writer of The Accidental Billionaires, which was adapted into my favorite movie of all time, The Social Network. He wrote The Bitcoin Billionaires, one of my favorite books. And now he has a novella serialized story in the Boston Globe called The Mechanic. Ben Mesrick. Ben, how you doing, buddy? Thank you so much for I coming on. I am awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of you guys as well. So this is cool to me. This is the closest I'll ever get to being on any Bachelor franchise. So <laughs> this is good. Well, you've been married for 13 years, so it'd be weird if you were on Bachelor <laughs> yeah, it would, now. It would. It would. But uh, I don't think I was likely even before that. So it's it's nice to uh, nice to be here. How long have you been a fan oh, of the gosh. show? We have been watching... Um, I would think I was good friends with Andrew Firestone. So how far back does that go? Oh yeah. I mean, somewhere in the mid. Yeah, I met I him. Uh, I, I was already a fan of the show for probably three years, and then met him at Sundance and became friends with him. Um, so yeah, it's been a long time. I've been watching Bachelor, Bachelorette, and all of the different variations. So uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome, man. It's cool. It's great. It's that, great that storytelling. So cool. You know. How, I don't know how much is produced and how much is real. I'm assuming a lot of it is produced, but it's uh, the way they capture a story from beginning to end is is very novel-like, so it's cool. Oh, totally. It's very it's very real, as you can tell. Both Dean and myself are in relationships from it, but uh, you know the producers are there for a reason. They make a good television right. show. But Ben, I wanted to talk about the mechanic first because that uh, all 21 chapters, I believe, are already out on the Boston Globe yes, website. That, yeah. uh, and so I've read it. It's an incredible story. It's like very uh, Da Vinci Code, like National Treasure. Um, but tell us a little bit about the mechanic and why you decided to write a serialized story. And what I mean by that is when, as about two weeks ago when this first came out, you released about two chapters a day until the story was completed. Why did you yeah, want to so do that? Yeah, so the Boston Globe came to me. You know, they're the big newspaper in Massachusetts. And they asked if, uh, if you know, I would be willing to do this. It's basically writing a book in two weeks. You put out a chapter or two a night um, and the whole city and basically the whole anybody who wants to go online and read it is like a giant book club. And it was also being published in the paper. So it started on the cover of the Sunday uh, Globe two weeks ago and has run every day for two weeks and just ended its run yesterday, basically. But um, it's all there online. So if you go to bostonglobe.com, you can binge read just like a book. Um, and it really is like a national treasure thriller takes place. Um, on the Freedom Trail in the streets of Boston goes back in history to the beginnings of America and American history. Um, but it's, I wanted to do it because we're all sick of all this crazy dark news. Like you pick up the newspaper and it's just ugly story after ugly story. And it's nice to have a diversion. So anybody who was interested in seeing something different in the newspaper was able to read it. And it became this huge thing. I mean, you know, uh, it ended up being the most read thing on the Boston Globe and it's become this huge um, book club basically. And it was a diversion for me um, you know, I'm stuck at home just like everybody else is. And this took my mind off of all the 
all the madness and uh, and it's been just a great experience and i always wanted to write the da vinci code um so for me it's a great way of trying to write a thriller like that um and it will be a, a series i'm doing a sequel now yeah and oh, hollywood already. has come uh really into it I, we sent it out and we're getting all these offers today actually so it will be a movie or a tv show of some sort um and hopefully become a big series so we'll see how it goes yeah that's very exciting. Congratulations. Do you, I got to ask you about Bitcoin Billionaires because that's probably my favorite book that you've written. Is that going to yeah, be made so Bitcoin into a movie? Billionaires is set up as a movie. Um, we haven't put out, you know, our uh, any official sort of news about who is making it or, or what. But we were about to announce something when all of this craziness went down. So when Hollywood thaws out a little bit, we're going to make an announcement about that movie. But Bitcoin Billionaires, for people who don't know, is the story of the Winklevoss twins and their rise. Um, from being the bad guys in the social network to who they are today, which is uh, they're worth billions of dollars. They own 200,000 Bitcoin and a single Bitcoin is now worth almost $10,000. So they've got a couple billion in Bitcoin um, and it makes you rethink who they are because in the social network, they were the big dumb jocks who were rowing their way and you know, Mark Zuckerberg was the evil nerd and that was the battle. But the reality is, is very different. And now Mark Zuckerberg is kind of evil <laughs> and, and the twins yeah. have become these revolutionaries in this new form of money so it's a cool story and we are going to make the movie um as soon as everything you know gets back to filming yeah that's so exciting obviously so do you know arnie Hanks so army would be awesome you know there's only a few people out there who could play the winklevoss twins um you know you've got to be big and in shape but also really uh, be able to come across as smart and and there's also the sort of i mean they're the, you know they're the the like Greek gods, kind of. <laughs> I mean, they walk on the screen. Yeah, and you're playing right. two people. And Army, Army Hammer did it very, very well. So we would love to see Army do it again. Um, but it's going to depend on who the director is, what the script looks like. And um, Army, since The Social Network has done so many great films, um, he's really grown into a great actor. So I would love to see this. Um, but the Winklevi are not who you think they are. And that's kind of what's cool about this story is they're not the dumb jocks. You know, they're not just the men no. of Harvard. These are guys who studied economics. There's guys who speak five languages. Um, uh, you know, they're Olympic rowers, so they have the ability to, to train and stuff like that. But they're, they're really smart guys. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting sort of way of looking at them again. Now, what got me into your books was actually The Social Network, because for some reason, I am fascinated with the entire story of Facebook. And so then after I saw the movie, I read your book, and then that led me to bring, you know, read Bringing Down the House and Bitcoin Billionaires. And now I'm reading Straight Flush, which is, I, I love it. I'm about halfway through right now. You write so many books about what I deem such cool things, whether it be Bitcoin, technology, uh, Facebook, card counting what is it about those things that makes you want to write about yeah so i'm really into people who kind of are going against authority in one way or another not like criminals you know but people who are using their brains or abilities to beat the system that's always the kind of story i look for so people who kind of think outside the box they're not you know just getting a job and going forward but they come up with an idea like facebook or they they find this secret world like card counting and they hit vegas and make millions Straight Flush was about a group of college kids who figured out online game. They created an online poker site before, you know, today that's normal. But back when they did it, this was a brand yeah. new thing. It wasn't necessarily legal. And they moved to Costa Rica with their fraternity to try and create this thing. And, and I love these people who are making millions of dollars a day doing something crazy and a little shady sometimes. But the fun of it is the sort of adventure of, of, of changing the world 
you know, just using your brain or, or some sort of skill set or something like that. It's just, a, you know, I live vicariously through these characters, um, which, you know, I want my reader. To so do I, which is why I love yeah, your books. You can dive inside and, you know, you let's hit Vegas. But in real life, if I go hit Vegas, I'm going to get clobbered. <laughs> but, um, but when you read the book, you know, you see people who actually did it. And these are all true stories, which is kind of what's, what's cool about them. So, yeah, I get pitches, you know, people just send me stories and, and I look through them and try and find characters who've really done something. Un unreal, you know, and, and follow them around. Well, if you ever want to write a book about uh, two reality TV has-beens, you got your people right there. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, um, I, there's definitely a story in that, uh, but hopefully you guys don't end up in jail. Like doing, when you take down some big thing like Vegas, I'm going to be there and, and follow that story for sure. But yeah, I mean, you know, you never know where the story is going to come from. Um, the Zuckerberg story, you know, when I wrote that, it was 2007. Facebook was not in all of our lives yet. It was really just getting started, but there was this crazy drama between Mark and Eduardo and the Winklevi twins. And you couldn't invent those guys if you wanted to. It, that whole scenario of them battling for something that became a multi-billion dollar company, it's its really intense. Um, so, you know, that came out of nowhere to me and you never know where these stories are gonna come from. Oh no, it's its fascinating. Like you said, I love your book so much because I also live vicariously through your through your characters because I would never have the balls to do those things, but I want to so badly. Like I want to be the person like even like Zuckerberg early in the days where like he just, God, he was so focused on getting Facebook to be this huge successful company um, and nothing was going to stop in his way. And I, I just envy that so much. And also a fun story about you is that you put yourself through these weird scenarios, even I'm not saying unlawful yeah. scenarios, but like I heard a story about you because you wanted to immerse yourself into what your characters went through. You smuggled and you write it in the book and bringing down the house. You smuggled like $250,000 to the airport or yeah, something so like that. Technically, it's, it's not illegal <laughs> to move your own money through an airport. However, if you get caught by the TSA with a couple hundred thousand dollars in a, in a duffel bag, it, it looks really bad and you will probably end up in handcuffs at some point. So, uh, you know, to be a, to feel like I was in the story, I would carry money with the MIT Blackjack team and you'd go through, usually you carry a lot of it in chips because the TSA doesn't know that chips are money. You know, they just think you're going to a poker game or something, but you would wear Velcro. And this was, you have to remember today, security is a lot different than it was when I wrote Bringing Down the House, but you used to be able to wear money hmm. belts and you could put money in your pant legs and you could you would carry money all over yourself like the Michelin man and you'd go to Vegas and you'd go to the bathroom and you would trade money out from you know under under the stalls in the bathroom and things like that so it's like it's like method writing you know how actors are method acting I'm a method writer so I I dive inside whatever the story is and uh and try and figure it out you know from the inside um that's what's fun about writing writing itself is not fun you know sitting in a room for eight hours a day for three months is the least fun you could possibly have but researching the stories and following these characters around and you know i wrote bringing down the house in vegas over 14 days literally staying in a different casino every night um, mm -hmm. with the mit blackjack team and you know those are experiences that really are just awesome as a writer to be able to have so yeah. do you get writer's block i never have writer's block so a writer's block to me is, is um, you're not writing the right thing often, or, or you started in the wrong place, usually you'd have to go backwards. I have all these tricks and systems and things like that to get around stalling. Um, so I don't have writer's block once I start a project. It's between projects, often I'm searching for the right story. So months can go by when you're watching Saved by the Bell over and over again. But, um, but you know, once you like 
figure out a story that really is compelling and crazy, I dive in and I write it. Like the, you know, the mechanic, for instance, literally wrote in two weeks because it was we were putting chapters up every night in the globe. So that kind of thing you can't stall. You know, if you stall, the whole thing's going to fall apart. And um, and so I, I write very quickly, and and there's no chance of that happening. It's about choosing the right story and finding the right characters and seeing yourself. I, I'm very cinematic, so I'm basically writing movies as books. Um, so I actually sell the movie before I write the book. I write a 14-page treatment. Oh. Um, so it's basically I tell the story in 14 pages. I take it out to Hollywood. I land it at some studio somewhere. Then I write. Then I sell the book, and then I write the book. So I already know when I'm writing the book, there's at least the potential of a movie. So I'm thinking of it with actors in mind. I'm really writing the book, thinking it through like that. Um, and that makes it a lot more fun. I love that because that's probably why I love your book so much because they are so, so dramatic and cinematic. And I, 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 as a movie buff, I, uh, I love it. Uh, so last question before you go, um, this is a dating podcast. <laughs> You've been married for 13 years. So, so tell us. Wait, can Tanya what, come on here? My wife advice. is here. She's going to get of on. Of course, please. We'd Tanya. love to hear from Tanya. Tanya. Yeah, Tanya's here. This is Tanya. She, I, and, uh, she's way out of my league. So it's as if I went on The Bachelor and I won somehow by, by uh, you know, hypnotism or one of these little skill sets. Um, Tanya and I, we dated for a couple of years, a number of years before we got married. And uh, I, I was never great. I'm sure you guys had a much easier high school and college experience than I did and dating experience. I, I don't know. I, I would be amazed. But um, I was never that good at it. Um, and uh, But I was persistent, I think. <laughs> persistence is the key, right? Yeah. Uh, just Yes. I mean, as Ashley's husband, I can adjust to that. <laughs> persistence is key. Um, but my question for you guys before you go is just, do you have one piece of advice for the listeners out there about how to keep a marriage going after 13 wow. years? Wow, how to oh. keep a marriage going after 13 years. Separate bathrooms. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing when I got married, and people say this to everyone who gets married, you know, happy wife, happy life. And the reality is the happier she is, the happier you will be. And so if you attempt to make yourself happy, it's never going to work if she's not happy. So you really do have to uh, make allowances for that daily. And, uh, you know, it's like keeping a plant happy, right? You got to water it every day. <laughs> with, with lots, yeah. lots of nice handbags. Right, handbags. <laughs> it helps, yes. it helps. But no, honestly, I think you need to pick the right person. I yeah. think that that is the key to this whole thing. Like, um, you know, even if it takes you longer to get there, um, you know, I'm talking to people on The Bachelor who have to do this in how many episodes, but the right. reality is rushing in isn't, isn't necessarily the best answer. It's, it's finding that person who really works with you yeah. and you have to be partners. So when you're dating someone, I think you should be thinking about, if you're thinking long-term, is this person going to be a partner? Like all the authors that I know are incredibly jealous of, of what she does for my career. I would be in sweatpants sitting in a room 24 hours a day and have never had the career that I had. Um, Tanya is the one who makes sure that my, I'm out there, my book is out there. And, and so uh, having a partner who is your secret weapon is, is really key, both for women and for men. Think of that person as that's a partner. It's not someone, you know, there, you have to be a pair in everything, I think. So it works for us. Yeah. No. I, I think that's awesome advice. And, and, and Ben and Tanya, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, to all the listeners out there, go check out The Mechanic. It is currently on the Boston Globe right now. You can subscribe. I subscribed 
Uh, it's $4 for the whole month. So uh, check out The Mechanic. All 21 chapters are on there right now. It's an incredible story, very national treasure-esque. Um, and then also check out Bitcoin Billionaires, which was, you can kind of like a sequel to The Accidental Billionaires uh, about the Winklevoss twins getting into Bitcoin very early. It's fascinating, especially in today's world, uh, learning more and more about Bitcoin. So check those out. You can get that Amazon, anywhere you buy books, really. Um, and Ben... Again, thanks for Thank coming Thank you. We're fans, so I'm excited to be here. Thank you very much. At Walmart, there's a whole collection of black-led products that fit into your daily routine. We encourage you to show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. There is power in every purchase. Every time we purchase from a black-led brand, we make room for another black-led brand. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. Some amazing Black-owned businesses that are available at Walmart include The Lip Bar, Zach and Zoe Honey, Partake Cookies, the list goes on and on. Go to walmart.com slash blackandunlimited to discover all the amazing Black-owned products you can add to your daily routine. True love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another and every time after that. It's taking long walks together in the summer, gazing longingly into each other's eyes, and, well, watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. The Pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. Ashley adopted Lois, and I didn't know until I actually picked her up and saw her with my own eyes that we were taking this dog home. But I took one look at Lois, and my life has never been the same, and I love her so much, and I'm very grateful for that moment that Ashley decided to adopt Lois. So it really was love at first sight for me. Adopting a dog can lead to a lifetime of meaningful connections. A pedigree loyalty survey revealed that 95% of dog owners say that the bond they have with their dogs is closer than expected. And another pedigree loyalty survey revealed 90% of first-time dog owners report that having a dog improved at least one relationship in their lives. We have adopted two dogs. First was Pappy and the second was Alistair. And I got to tell you, I didn't know I could love such a little creature so much with Pappy. He just stole our hearts right away. He was so attached to us. And even with Alistair, we got him and we fostered at first and then decided to adopt not long after that. Just and a few days after. They bring so much light into our lives. After we lost Pappy, I was, Kaylin and I agreed to maybe take a couple months off from having a dog in our lives. And not even a week later, we we couldn't stand it anymore. There's just so much light that coming home to a dog brings into our lives. And and whenever we're on a trip, all we can ever think about is coming back home and seeing Alistair. So I, I love adoption. I think adopting dogs is the way to go. They are so grateful for it. They definitely love you harder because they know what you took them from and, and the great life that you're giving them. Real love can exist between pet and pet parent. Pedigree is committed to helping more dogs find loving homes, and we can attest that love at first sight is closer than you think. It's available at your local dog shelter. Find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive June 7th to 9th, and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Visit pedigree.com adoption drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
right, we're back from our break. Uh, Jared, how was that for you? Because you are obviously a huge fan. I'm a big fan. I, so I admittedly have never read any of his books, but I'm a big fan of the movie in, uh, renditions. Obviously, 21 and Social Network are two huge movies. Uh, fan of those. So what was it like for you to be able to talk to a guy that you, you know, admire so much? Dude, it was awesome. He's super nice, and I've seen a lot of interviews with him. And it's funny because uh, the picture, like his author picture that's always on his book, is like him with a leather jacket and glasses, and he's got like an interesting look to him. And you're like, is this guy like, what is this guy like? <laughs> and so it was so awesome meeting him and just realizing that he's so down to earth and, and super just like a normal dude. He was dude. so nice. And uh, it's, it's so funny that he's a Bachelor fan. You never know who watches the freaking show. Like what f- a fan of somebody that I've been a fan of for so long watches the show and knows who I am. And like things like this are able to happen because of that. And it's freaking the coolest thing, man. But like I remember watching The Social Network. I watched it in Boston the weekend it came out. And like I wasn't into Facebook. I wasn't a big social media guy. And I was like, ah, we'll see. I walked to that theater and I love that movie so much uh and i obviously read uh the accidental billionaires which he wrote in the bitcoin billionaires which is like somewhat of a sequel i even i just recently read over this quarantine a a book called the facebook effect which is literally marketed as the true story to the social network uh with interviews from it's mostly like an interview from mark zuckerberg that this guy wrote about but um Dude, it's it's fascinating. He's a great writer, and like he said, he writes everything cinematically, so it does feel very um, uh, dramatic mm. while reading the book, which I love because the stakes are high. And he writes about things that are are in my mind the coolest things. Like I said, card counting and poker and and Bitcoin and technology and social media things that I am captivated by. So it was uh, it was cool, man. It was so cool. Like that dude. That dude right there wrote a book that Aaron Sorkin and David Fincher created a screenplay off of and got nominated for Best Picture. Like, that's fucking awesome. I was just about to say, it's funny with, uh, it must be incredible to write a book basically knowing that it's going to be made into a movie. Like he did with Bitcoin Billionaires. He's like, well, there is nothing to announce yet, but I I wrote it. what does he say cinematically and so it's basically guaranteed to be made into a movie like that's just a pretty crazy thing to think about you know that's awesome but yeah so it wasn't about dating so i apologize to all the audience members all the listeners that it wasn't really that much about dating but at the same time it was really cool and i hope everybody listened uh found it very interesting and engaging and and something different and sorry, I went over it was seven just minutes. That heavenly, you had to last as long as you could. I, I get it, man. Hey, should we do an email before we uh, before we say goodbye for this week? Yes, obviously, definitely, most well, certainly, the well, best part. Please keep your emails coming. Yeah, okay, I love that uh, enthusiasm out of you. Well, this one kind of sounds similar to what we talked about last week. Essentially, what's happened is this girl is dating a guy for they've been dating for one and a half years. Uh, it's from Samantha. They're temporarily doing long distance. But her boyfriend is a big surfer. And once, not too long ago, while he was surfing, he met a girl who was surfing by herself. She asked for his Instagram handle. She then DM'd him uh, later on and asked if he would like to go surfing with her. This guy the whole time has made it clear that he has a girlfriend. He even told his girlfriend, who is our emailer, that you know he met this girl who was just wanting to surf. And now she's hitting him up to surf again. Just them two. Um, her question is, or she, and Samantha said in the moment that it was fine for him to do this, to meet up with this girl to surf with her. However, she's not sure how to feel about it now. So she's asking us, Jared, 
do we think it's appropriate for someone in a relationship to hang with someone of the opposite sex alone? And on the flip side of it, would it be appropriate for someone to tell their significant other to hang out with someone of the opposite sex? So I guess to, to kind of put it all in together quickly, because we talked about this last week a little bit, but this is a different situation because it's not like a, a friend who was kind of grandfathered in before. A previous friend. Right. It's, it's someone that they've met recently that's asking to hang out one-on-one. What do you think about it? Eh, it's a gray area. Uh, I think what it comes down to is making sure that your significant other is friends with this person. That's like the main the main uh, purpose here, the, the what I'm getting behind. Like, for example, everybody says like, oh, Jared, you have a best friend that's a girl. I'm like, yeah, but her and Ashley now are like best friends. And she sees our dynamic and how it's brother and sister like. So this significant other, Samantha, needs to hang out with this girl and the boyfriend at the same time. The boyfriend needs to like overcompensate during the moment and be like, okay, I'm always going to have my arm around you. I'm always going to be holding your hand. I'm going to show that like I love you. You're the girl for me. This other person is just a friend. And then maybe you can start feeling comfortable about it. But until that happens, then I don't know. I, I got to say, uh, I disagree with you on this one. So I think in the sense of them hanging out, it's totally okay for them to do if every time they hang out, they're surfing. If it's like, hey, come over to my house and watch a movie, eh, probably not going to fly. But if they met surfing, they have a shared interest that is surfing. It's better to surf with a friend than it is to surf alone. So I don't see the harm in like, hey, I'm going to go surfing with this person. Like, okay, so, and and maybe the reason I'm justifying it this way is because sometimes uh, I'll get DMs from girls with, but it's, obviously we get DMs from girls, right? It's a very well-known fact that we're both in relationships, but sometimes people who are like interested in rock climbing are like, I remember after Paradise was done filming, this girl was like, hey, I live up in Seattle. If you're ever up in the area, let's go rock climbing or something like that. If I'm by myself and I want to go rock climbing, like you need a partner to rock climb with. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to hang out with this person to rock climb. You know what I mean? So I think if you have like a shared interest, in this case, it's surfing. In my case, it'd be rock climbing or skydiving or whatever it might be. I think it's totally okay. But I don't think that the if you ever, Samantha, if you ever hear your boyfriend say something like, hey, this girl is going to come over and watch a movie with me, that's the red flag and that's cause for concern. But in the case of surfing, I don't think it's a big deal at all. I agree. If it escalates, you have a big problem. My only concern with what you're saying is like Samantha being the significant other has to trust that that other girl doesn't have ulterior. Motives. I don't think it's about the other girl at all. I think it's just about her boyfriend. If her boyfriend, can she trust her boyfriend or not? You know what I mean? Like for instance, again, I can only do all I can do is relate it back to my scenarios. Like I know that I would never do anything with any girl other than Kaylin. So I don't have any interest in being like, yeah, let's go rock climbing. If this guy is 100% in on his girlfriend, who, for for the record, they've been dating longer than Caitlin and I have, then mm-hmm. he ha- has not even a single desire to do anything that's, you know, considered uh, promiscuous or whatever. So if she has a reason to believe that she should be uncomfortable, then maybe there's something underlying there. But uh, I personally don't think that it's an issue. Let me ask you this. What is well, what is Kaylin like doing? What's like one of her hobbies? She's learning the ukulele. Okay, so what if some dude, random dude, DM'd her and said, hey, listen, I know you're in a relationship. But I just want, I also play the ukulele and I'd love to learn side by side so we can kind of get better at this together. Would you mind if like uh, we go to a public place, like it could be a coffee shop, whatever, and we just kind of like go back and forth, 
and learn how to play the ukulele. I see there. what you're doing. I gotta say that's a little bit different of a situation, <laughs> but I would be totally okay with it. I don't see why not. Like again, I I have full and utter uh, to the utmost trust, more than I could trust anyone else in the world with Kaylin. I know that she would never do anything to hurt me physically or emotionally. So I would have no issue with her going to a coffee shop with a guy to play the ukulele because I know that her intention is to improve at the ukulele and to have someone to work on that with and not to hook up with anyone else. You know what I mean? I think for me, it's not so much a trust thing as it is a jealousy thing. And maybe I'm just a jealous guy and that's not a healthy habit to have. But if like, if, if Ashley was going like weekly with this other dude that I didn't really know or didn't know at all to like do something that she's very passionate about, it's not like, no, I trust you. I just don't trust them. And, and it just makes me jealous. That's all like, nah, nah, the, uh, not say I would tell her not to do it, but if it became like a weekly yeah. thing and I it like did not know the person, I'd be like, I don't know how comfortable I feel about this. Not that I don't trust you, but that dude could go yeah. screw. No, I guess that, that makes sense too. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There's I not a right answer. From. I just, for in the world of like surfing and doing like these like, activities outside that are like less intimate, and more about the experience than they are about the company. Is surfing less like going to a coffee shop and like playing ukulele? It's know. like uh, it's a hobby. It's an I don't know. I. Oh, it's definitely yeah, a hobby. I don't know. I don't think it's an issue. But like, yeah, I think we're on the same page with saying, hang out with them. See if you. Well, it's long distance, so I guess you can't hang out with them at the time. But I don't think that you should. Okay, and. and Here's another example. If Kaylin was like, look, I don't want you to meet up with that person to rock climb. I would kind of be like, well, what's the deal? You don't trust me or like, you don't want me to like go do this. Like, I don't understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, what sucks about the social distancing right now. You're right. Cause she even says in the, in the email that I forgot about that they're doing long distance right now because of the right. pandemic. And that would, that would cause, that would cause some unease on my end because then the person that you're, you're dating you're not only not hanging out with them, but they're actively hanging out with another yeah. girl. And while you trust them, it's just like this, this little small voice in the back of your head being like, don't let them do it. Like th this is not good. This is not good. Uh, so it's hard. It's, it's, it's not easy. Relationships aren't easy between jealousy and, and uh, it's, it's very complicated. So I wish we had a better answer. for. Samantha. I will say if you asked uh, me the same question, like two or three years ago or for, you know, however long ago, probably even any time before my current relationship, I would say uh, it's okay for you to be like a little worried about it. But now like, I've never, I guess I hate making this all about me, but like I'm in a, in a relationship now more than I've like, more comfortable in this relationship than I ever have been before. So my mindset is always like, yeah, do the thing that makes you happy. I don't, you know, if I can do it with you, I will. But if I can't, I want you to be able to do it with other people that share that same interest as you. So go do that. And it's just like, uh, a level of trust for me now is I've never what I've never had before so hopefully Samantha can have that with her boyfriend without having to feel guilty for telling him not to hang out with someone because I know she obviously she wants him to be surfing and having fun you know do you think it'd be bad if Samantha said I don't want you to stop doing this but I also wouldn't mind if you just made me feel comfortable while going you know while you do this whether it be just like you know like FaceTiming her from the beach or you yeah. know talking to her while he's there so that's a good uh way to compromise i guess would be like facetime me in when you get there because i could so i can meet her not like in a weird way but just be like oh like hey like you're my boyfriend's new surfing buddy like it's nice to meet you you know what i mean and that way like obviously if she 
everyone knows who's in the relationship, but it's always good. Once you put a face to the other person's significant other, I think that like really ingrains the idea in, you know what I mean? So by, by, I think it's a really good idea by doing that. It's like, okay, there's not going to be any funny business either way. Like she can kind of rest easy. And then the girl that he's surfing with can be like, okay, like now that I have a face to the guy's girlfriend, I am a hundred percent certain that this isn't going to be anything romantic, you know? Yeah, and certainly can't hurt. Uh, thank you so much for listening to a new episode of Help I Suck at Dating. Thank you, of course, to Ben Mesrick for coming on the podcast. Check out, once again, his The Mechanic, which is on the Boston Globe, uh, all 21 chapters. Uh, also by his book, Bitcoin Billionaires, uh, which is one of my favorites. Uh, thank you so much, Dean, for opening up during your seven minutes of heaven. I hope this is something that can continue to happen because I found yours very interesting. I hope people found mine somewhat interesting. Uh, but I've already started like brainstorming things that I kind of want to uh, talk about and get off my chest and, and um, during our seven minutes of heaven. They're heavenly. Uh, Tori, thank you so much for uh, showing up. You're amazing as always. Uh, thank you to Amy for employing us. Uh, thank you for all the dedicated listeners. Uh, we appreciate and, and are so grateful for you. Uh, thank you for the emails because those are our favorite parts of the podcast listening from you. Make sure you follow us on all social channels. We are on Facebook and more importantly, Instagram. We are at help. I suck at dating. So you can definitely follow us there. And is there anybody I'm missing for emailing us? Don't forget to email us at I suck at dating at iheartmedia.com. We want to hear your stories. We want to know what's going on in your lives. It helps us connect with you. Even if we give these non-answer answers like we did just then, it still hopefully helps you guys in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's always best to give a non-answer answer because we don't want to tell you exactly what to do because honestly, we don't know what the hell we're doing either. We're just trying to help. We're all just trying to get through this life together. You know, that's it. We're all in this together, guys. So make sure you listen next week to an all new episode where hopefully we all suck a little less. Follow Help by Suck at Dating on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's time to celebrate Black History Month at the Walmart Black and Unlimited Clock. On Thursday, February 29th from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., you can celebrate an extra day of Black History Month with Walmart. This event is free and open to the public at two locations, Flatiron Plaza in New York City and Ovation Hollywood in Los Angeles. With giveaways dropping every hour on the hour, it's the perfect time to try, like, and share Black-led products. It's free, it's for everyone, and it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with Black-led products that are creating a new world of choices at Walmart. Trust, you don't want to miss it. Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico, but it's more than a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Let the Boricua spirit welcome you with a warm embrace to start each day and remind you why you travel in the first place. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. With nearly 300 beaches and 300 miles of coastline, there's always new places to explore. The island's diverse geography offers everything from secluded coves with white sand and crystalline water to stunning black sand beaches. There are spots that are perfect for water sports. You can surf, snorkel, paddleboard, or go diving. To travel to Puerto Rico, there is no passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. 
Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.